Hi there, travelers. I'm Riley. I'm Angelica. I'm Isabella. And this is True Crime International. announcement before we get started i don't really know how to say it i feel bad i feel guilty (laughs) um i do but at the same time i don't i don't feel for my own sanity Um, (laughs) yeah we will be taking the summer months of i guess summer is different in different areas but we're going to take the months of june july and august off um just to like recoup um get things together we there will be an episode here and there. We will be present on our Patreon, as always, but we're not going to be every week have an episode. Yeah, Patreon will stay exactly the same. You still get three episodes every month. Um, we've just decided to transition into a seasons. Yeah, I think when we started the podcast, we didn't realize how much work it would be. And considering we all have full-time stuff going on, we have, like, we're just careening towards a burnout, and I don't think any of us want to hate doing this. And if we keep going at this pace, we're going to. So we want to take the summer to relax and also, like, build up a backlog of scripts and recordings. So that way, when we come back in September, we're, like, we're prepared. We know what to do. We have some stuff stored so we don't have to stress so much every week. And yeah, we we don't want to be the people that spend 80 hours a week working and just not enjoy our lives. We are live to work people, not work to live. Yeah. No, we are work to live, not live to work. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work to live. live. (laughs) We'll be back in better than ever in September with lots of fun stuff. And Isabella will be home in June, July, and August until like what? September-ish, so we'll be able to record together, we'll be able to do a lot more stuff, so it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, so uh, this is not the last episode, next week will be, but we just wanted to give you a warning, and we'll remind you next week uh, about the impending hiatus, and you'll see us intermittently in the summer, or, I mean, if you want to see us consistently, just come over to the Patreon, because we're still going to upload content regularly over there. But keep an eye out on the social media pages just in case we do have an episode because, like I said, there is more than likely at least going to be one episode. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One or two. Yeah. Yeah. So just keep an eye out. And we're going to keep posting in both groups. We're going to stay active with y'all because we like the bond we share with y'all. So... Yeah, this week uh, our Facebook group just exploded and we've got a ton of new members and they're super engaged and we're having some fun and sharing memes and chatting and sharing our cultures and it's awesome. So come on over there. Like we're not disappearing for three months, but we just need a bit of a break. You can also catch us on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. I haven't made a TikTok in forever. (laughs) We'll post TikToks of all of our episodes. (laughs) Yeah, I got to make those again. Fuck, my bad. So, so where are you taking us travelers today, Riley? Um, actually, the better question is where do I start? Because <laughs> the serial killer that we're talking about today has committed crimes in multiple countries, not including the one that he was born in. Today, we're talking about the man who is known as the serpent, the spinning killer, <laughs> and most popularly, the bikini killer. 
His actual name, however, is Charles Sobraj. Um, honestly, this dude gives me like super Ted Bundy vibes because of who he was as a person. And as the story unfolds, I think that you will also get that impression too. So with that in mind, let's get started. Hmm. I don't like having that in mind, but... No, I don't either, but... <laughs> Someone joined our Facebook group and our Facebook group questions, like one of them, it says, you know, what's your favorite episode of True Crime International? And this guy was like, Ted Bundy. And I'm like, you have not even... <laughs> we have not done Ted Bundy. <laughs> no, we have not done... He just like went for probably the most, or he, he or she probably went for the most popular one, and like <laughs> mo- most popular ser- serial killer. And I'm pretty sure, like, she didn't, he or she didn't even like look up the podcast to just like pick a random <laughs> episode to write in. <laughs> It was just like Ted Bundy. That's okay. As long as they're there for fun, that's what we're there for. So Charles Sobraj was born in 1944 in Saigon. We don't know a whole lot about his childhood, but his father did abandon his family and he ended up being adopted by his mom's boyfriend, who was a Frenchman and who was serving in the army and was kind of stationed in what was known as French Indochina at the time. But this led to him kind of like moving back and forth between Southeast, Southeast Asia and France. So it was like he was never like settled in one place for too long. And I think, I mean, that has an effect on any child and any person, unless that's like the kind of life that you're wanting to live. But as a child, not not having like one set place that you can go back to, I think would kind of suck. The Denmark case where he moved to, like, America and his father just took him all around America. Yeah, yeah. Not oh, not a good environment for children, I wouldn't think. For those who are geographically challenged, um, Saigon is in Vietnam and is now known as Ho Chi Minh City. I just wanted to say that because you didn't say the country. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry. And sorry. also, Vietnam used to be a French colony, so it's not unusual that the father mm-hmm. was a Frenchman. Charles received his first jail sentence when he was 19 years old for burglary as he'd been committing theft for some time at that point. And from his very first prison stay, he was unbelievably charming, hence the Ted Bundy thing. So the guards would grant him like special favors. And he also met a Yelthy, Yelthy, oh my God, <laughs> wealthy, wealthy young man who volunteered at the prison he was in, um, whose name was Felix Descon, Descon, Felix Descon. And when he got paroled, Felix allowed Charles to move in with him. So they became like pals. I just want to say real quick, like, I've decided one of the biggest red flags for me, like if I'm ever going to be interested in someone, if I find out that they have been committing thefts and stuff, I'm just going to be like, no, nope. Because I swear to God, every one of these cases we do starts off, they're just committing burglary. Committing theft. (laughs) Committing theft. It's a gateway crime. Yeah. Yeah, it is a gateway crime. No, 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 no. And this is very different than like, I don't know, taking earrings from Claire's or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I never did. I just want to say. (laughs) No. (laughs) I just was like saying like, these these guys are acting sus. (laughs) Living with Felix allowed Charles to experience high society life, but he was still heavily involved in the criminal underworld of Paris, which helped him get a lot of money in a lot of illegal ways. 
<laughs> During this time, he also met Chantal Copagnan, who he fell in love with, and she saved him from this criminal world, and the rest is history. And that's the end of our episode today. <laughs> This has been True Crime International. We hope you've enjoyed your stay. Yep. We hope you learned something new and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Just kidding, because why would that ever happen? You can't save a man like that. No. Nah. On the day that he eventually proposed to her, we just jumped a little bit of time there, sorry. But on the day he proposed to her, he proceeded to then get arrested for his continued crimes. And he went to prison for another eight months. And for some reason, Chantal stuck around. But hey, he was charming and I guess not a murderer yet. So, like, it's a gray area. I, I don't know. <laughs> we can't bitch at her the way we have others in previous episodes for marrying murderers in, pr- in prison. <laughs> yeah. Britain? Words are really hard for you all today. Look, I'm glad I'm not of, speaking so much. None of us can fucking speak. It's fine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> When he got out of prison, they almost immediately got married because remember, they've been engaged for like eight months now. I mean, that's like kind of a normal engagement. (laughs) And then she got pregnant. (laughs) However, he didn't stop being a criminal. So they had to flee France and they ended up settling in Mumbai for a while where Chantal gave birth. But he, again, continued his crimes because he seems like... He's always going to continue his crimes, okay? (laughs) And he got arrested there in Mumbai and then faked an illness and escaped. He then got rearrested, but as soon as he paid his bail, they fled to Afghanistan. And in Afghanistan, they robbed tourists on what was referred to as the Hippie Trail, which led to his arrest once again. And though he escaped with the same faking an illness trick, Chantal was like, nope, I love you, but I'm out. She said, I love you. I love you. Divorce is catchy. Divorce is very catchy. <laughs> I This must have been before the Russians invaded Afghanistan. If, the, if there are enough tourists that they could make money from stealing then I have in Afghanistan, I, am, I have to imagine this was before the Russians invaded because that's when instability really started in the country. I'd say this is probably like late 60s maybe early 70s yeah the russian thing was mid 70s so yeah yeah yeah. yeah. um so she took their child um and props to her you know take the kid with you that is not an environment that a child needs to be in no man um and then charles was like peace and he went to iran he spent a couple years on the run and he was using at least 10 different stolen passports to evade capture like so many i don't know how he kept up with it (laughs) kept it organized but then he met up with his half brother andre (laughs) family plot twist he met up with him in turkey and the two became a crime duo (laughs) but they were arrested in greece and poor andre ended up having to serve 18 years in prison while charles escaped again (laughs) god damn i know this doesn't sound (laughs) real this sounds very fake but I promise you, it is real. Rye, be careful because you're popping a lot. Like, you're getting very close to me because you get close to your mic. Um, it was just... Should yeah, I turn the just, volume down? No, just just, just be careful with when you're... Because you okay. were like, I'll prison. Here. Should I stay back here? You're fine if you're close to your mic. Just just watch your, your peas. Okay. 
Um, I also had something else to say. Oh, the range of countries is astounding. Right? He's all over the place. Like, so we've done Vietnam, Vietnam, France, India, Iran, Afghanistan, Turkey, and Greece. God damn. He is. I'm, and we're only at the beginning, so, so like... <laughs> I know. Hold on to your seats, folks. Buckle up. So while he's on the run, he also gained several followers. The original influencer. Literally. <laughs> the original the original travel influencer. <laughs> he gained their loyalty by scamming them, just like he scammed everyone else. But he'd help them out of the scam that he'd gotten them into in the first place, which led to them trusting him. So basically, he just manipulated all these people. Yikes. His most loyal followers were... Marie-André Leclerc, yes. who became completely devoted to him, and Ajay Chaudhry, who was essentially the second in command in Charles's little <laughs> escapades. And then in 1975, Charles and Ajay start killing. I mean, that we know of, at least. Could have been sooner. There's always a possibility <laughs> with... Yeah, there's always a possibility with serial killers that they start earlier because... I mean, while they're serial killers, (laughs) you don't really know when exactly they start. He continued the trend of gaining the trust of his victims, so he'd actually spend time with them before he murdered them. Fucked up. Like, he would manipulate them in the same way that he did his followers, but then he would kill them. The first victim was a woman from Seattle named Teresa Knowlton, who was found drowned in the Gulf of Thailand. And she was wearing a bikini, which is the start of another trend with him. The the bikini killer. So, checks out, I guess. They weren't very clever with that name. The next victim would be Vitali Hakim, who was a Sephardic Jewish man from Turkey who lived a nomadic lifestyle, and his burned body had actually been found on a road close to a resort in Thailand where Charles and his followers were staying. There, he had also crossed paths with a Dutch couple, Henk Bintanya and Cornelia Hemker, who he had poisoned and was nursing back to health. And he did this a lot, which is so gross. He just, like, would do anything to be like, oh, let me help you. But, like, he was the one doing it. It's just like, yeah, you're right, Ted Bundy vibes. And just also, like, a little bit of... uh, Manson vibes too. Yeah, a bit because of the like whole followers. It's like it's the combo between Ted Bundy and Charles Manson that I just don't want to see ever. While he was nursing this couple back to health, however, Vitali's girlfriend Charmaine Caru came to the resort to figure out what happened to her boyfriend. Charles didn't want it to be discovered that he was killing. I mean, obviously, so he ushered the couple out. But on the 16th of December, the bodies of the couple were found strangled and burned. And then not much later, Charmaine's body was also found drowned. And she was wearing a bikini similar to the one Teresa had been found in. Well, that's that's one heck of a start. I know. On the 18th of December, Charles and Marie-André entered Nepal using the passports of the couple that he had murdered. And in Nepal, he murdered a Canadian man named Laurent Carrier and an American woman, Connie Jo Bronzich. They used this couple's passports to travel back to Thailand in an unfortunate series of events. 
Hank and Cornelia weren't identified until the same day that Charles and Marie-Andre entered Nepal. And Laurent and Connie were at first thought to be a different pair, so they had already used their passports before they were identified. Like, this is like, he was just so lucky. They were so lucky. Man, back in the day, you could just steal anyone's ID and get into Yeah, like, this is the 70s, too, and I just, like, the 70s were a very, they were a time. It was very lax. Yeah. He didn't care. Some of his French followers found these passports and connected the dots that Charles was more than likely a serial killer. So they straight up fled, but not before notifying, notifying the police regarding their suspicions. So thankfully, they're turning against him. Yes. A lot of the time, I feel like that does not happen. No. They're just like, bye, but we're not going to say anything. Yeah. Well, probably they were also maybe like a little scared of him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Charles then went to India, where he murdered an Israeli man named Avani Yaakob, literally just so he could use his passport. And then using it, he traveled to Singapore and then to India again and then back to Thailand. And the police knew about him at this point. So while he was there, he was investigated by police in Thailand, sorry, um, along with his two closest followers, but they let him go. And honestly, like, is he starting a cult? Or what? Because... Essentially. (laughs) (laughs) And they let him go. And this was allegedly because the police didn't want the publicity of having a serial killer on trial in their country because it could affect tourism, which I really hope wasn't the case. Like, I understand the, like, what they were thinking, but they could also have, like, the positive publicity of, like, catching the serial killer because now he's on the loose again. Yeah. Now he's on the loose again. Also, just like, you know, you said his first killings were in 1975 that we know of. Because of the fact that he killed this man just for his passport and he was traveling before with a bunch of passports, I 100% think he murdered more people before this. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Because he was probably using, he probably used a different passport every time he flew or traveled anywhere. Yeah. Like, sometimes he probably just stole them, but other times... Yeah. He, he murdered people, 100%. That's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time that, like, the stuff in Thailand is hap- happening, a Dutch diplomat named Herman Nippenberg started building his own case against Charles um, as as two of his victims had been those Dutch students. So, like, this Dutch guy was like, I'm not, I'm not just going to let this go. <laughs> And he wanted justice for them. So he got permission to search the residence where Charles had been staying. And at that residence, he found poisons as well as documents and clothing that belonged to the victim. Victims, plural. Despite the fact that a bunch of people knew about Charles, he and the his two followers just kept moving. First, they went to Malaysia, but only Charles and Marie-Andre continued traveling together after that. Ajay is never seen again, and a lot of people suspect that Charles murdered him as well. Tis sus. Tis sus. Yeah, tis tis, indeed. Tis very sus. But, I mean, it's one of those things that we'll just never get an answer to, unfortunately. I mean, he could have gone into hiding because he's like, well, I'm associated with this man and I don't want to be. But, but because he was so loyal, I don't think he went into hiding. Like, he had followed this guy around the world at this point. 
Like, yeah. 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 While Charles is in Asia, he recruits a couple of women named Barbara Smith and Mary Ellen Ether to join his crew. And they, like, very quickly become loyal to him. Like, he is, like, a manipulation master. Like, he has this down. And during this time, he also murders a Frenchman named Jean-Luc Salomon. In, I mean, I feel like that's got to have something to do with his dad. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, his stepdad or something, yeah. Yeah, the Frenchman. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Or, I I don't know. It seems like he's not very specific in who he goes. I know. (laughs) I feel like a lot of his murders are also just, like, crimes of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. In July of 1976, he and the women are back in India, and they are up to their usual shit of tricking tourists into falling in with their group and so a group of french students join them however this time goes very differently for charles and the women when they drug the students the students realize that something has gone wrong and three of them thankfully still have enough control over their bodies and minds that they are able to overpower charles and call the police which leads to his arrest thank god along with the arrest of the three women that were with him, his followers, and Charles is charged with the murder of Jean-Luc. That's good. Yeah. And also good on these French students. Yeah, yeah right? Seriously. Good on them. I can imagine acting that quickly. Right? Actually, I can now. <laughs> Barbara and Mary quickly confessed and sold out Charles because why wouldn't they? <laughs> but they actually both attempt suicide while they wait for their trial which i i really think speaks to the power of charles and like the power that he had over these women and like the cultish mentality that i was talking about it's just yeah 100 percent. and while these women are like going through it awaiting their trial charles is like living it up he smuggled gems into the prison with him as they were um in his body. <laughs> uh, that just doesn't... That doesn't sit right with me. That no. doesn't sit right. No. I hope they were smooth. <laughs> <laughs> but he used these gems to bribe guards so he could just continue to live comfortably. And he was also... Oops. He was also crazy about the attention he was getting, so he did everything he could just to stay at the center of it. Like, he loved the attention. He wanted the attention. He went through several lawyers, and he brought in his half-brother to help. And also, Andre had literally just been recently paroled, and Charles was the reason he was in prison in the first place. So, like, why he got himself into this again, I don't know. I would not have helped him. I know. Me either. And Charles also goes on a hunger strike for whatever reason. For what, dude? For mistreatment? I'm sorry. I don't know. 100% just for attention. (laughs) Thankfully, though, none of this gets in the way of him getting sentenced to 12 years in prison, which is really light. That is not enough. But I guess he was only being charged with one murder. But still, one murder? 12 years? Like, come on. Come on. Marie-Andre was found guilty of poisoning those French students, and she wrote in prison, quote, I swore to myself to try all means to make him love me, but little by little I became his slave, unquote. 
which again like shows the power he had over the people that he had around him but i don't know that's really sad to me this poor this poor lady i mean not poor that she like did these things but like i don't know poor that she was influenced in this way yeah yeah that she was manipulated exactly she was eventually paroled and returned to canada because she had developed ovarian cancer um, and she was loyal to Charles, but maintained innocence until she died at the age of 38 in eight, 1984. Wow. She died young. Yeah, she died very yeah. young, which is sad because, like, she spent so many years of her life helping Charles. Like, yeah. it just makes Yeah, sad. I feel like she didn't really get to live an adult life outside of his influence. Not really. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. She got to travel a lot, but it was, like, for crime. Yeah. And it seems like I'm wrapping this up, but there's more. So just sit tight. (laughs) Charles continued to live lavishly in prison. No surprise there. And he told his story and detailed his killing to journalists and authors. Everything he said he would later deny because he's Charles. And he switched it to say that he had done what he did because he he was upset about Western imperialism. And I don't think this was a complete lie because I feel like there had to be a reason why he just hated hippies so much. But Western imperialism doesn't make you a serial killer. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like, so I feel like earlier you mentioned about how he like was moved around when he was a kid. So mm-hmm. maybe he was like frustrated by all of these young people just moving around on the hippie trail or it's so funny to me that they used to call things hippie trails. I know. But anyway, <laughs> like, just, like, at will, like, own free will, just moving about as they pleased. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. Maybe. <laughs> but it's dumb. I don't... You're dumb, Charles. I really... I understand being upset by Western imperialism because it's caused a lot of problems that we see in the world now. But you don't... It's, like, you, it's not an excuse to, to become be a, serial a serial killer. killer. No. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> and I don't think, like... I don't think that's his complete reason. No, no, it's not. not. It's definitely not. But he's just trying to, he's trying to stick it on something that's much larger than himself. For sure. So Charles couldn't exactly just like get out of prison just because his sentence was up because he'd killed people in other countries. So he'd almost certainly be arrested again. And his biggest worry was Thailand because he was going to be extradited there and they would probably execute him for his crimes that he committed. So in 1986, while he was serving his 10th year in prison, Charles had a party for the guards and prisoners. But in Charles fashion, this led to him drugging them with sleeping pills. And then when they were out, he just left, just left. Just walk right out the front door. Yep, just left. What the fuck? Like he's leaving a friend's party. No. He wasn't trying to escape, though. He didn't want to escape prison. He was just trying to get caught. And it worked because he got 10 years added to his sentence, which means that he wouldn't get extradited to Thailand. Oh, you know what? That's actually really smart. I hate to admit it. But part of me is like, part of me is like, why didn't you just leave? I'm like, why didn't you just flee? Yeah. I don't know. He's like, he he had the he had the opportunity to be like, all right, I'm gonna head out, and then he didn't. He's like, yeah. all right, I'm gonna head to the other room. I it's very clear to me that this man does not want to die. Exactly. Well, like, and he, with the ten years added on, he got out in nineteen 
97 and by that time he was 52 and almost all warrants and like statues of limitations had expired so he just went back to france what a bitch Uh, (laughs) like he's smart this is annoying he's smart but i don't enjoy it in france he led a comfortable life and because so many people were so intrigued by him he just kept getting money for his story he kept getting money don't pay this guy it's not worth it i'm sorry just like do not pay him in 2003 he traveled back to nepal and while he was in a casino gambling he was arrested by the police after someone had spotted him and see nepal was one of the only countries that he could get arrested in and that dutch diplomat had all of that evidence against him because he had continued to keep up with the case after those Dutch students were murdered in Thailand. So he was once again convicted, this time for the murder of Connie and Laurent. And he acted like this was a big deal and even tried to appeal the French president in 2007. And also... Wait, his... wait, wait. Appeal to the French president. Oh, yes. Appeal to the French president. Sorry, my bad. I skipped a word. Um, His wife or like ex-wife wife back in france Chantel, i bet you forgot about her <laughs> filed a case with the european court of human rights against the french government for not giving him any aid but dude one why would they give him any aid and two why are you still trying to help him when he's legitimately been tried and convicted of murder yeah like Before I get it, like, she left him, or she got back with him because he was in prison for a robbery. Which, for me, not great. Red flag, for sure. But now he's 100% killed people. Yeah. Don't help him. Like, what's that gonna look like for your child? Mommy's helping a serial killer. Right? That sounds like a Christmas song. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucked up Christmas song. (laughs) And I think Charles just wanted more attention because in 2008, he issued a press release through his fiance. Again, fiance? Like, what? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> um, his fiance's name was Nahida Biswas um, because for some reason, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why she got with him. Don't, again, don't marry men in prison for murder. Don't marry anyone in prison for murder. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many times we have to say it. In this this press release, he claimed that he was never convicted of murder. And he asked the media not to refer to him as a serial killer. Like, I was actually not convicted for murder. So, like, I would really appreciate it if you would not refer to me as a serial killer. Because Because you hurt my feelings. I'm just a con man and a cult leader. But, sir, (laughs) you're literally a serial killer. (laughs) You're very literally a serial killer. Continuing with this, it's said that he married Nahida. And I feel like to no one's surprise, his appeal didn't do anything. (laughs) And his life sentence was upheld for the murder of Connie. And another year was added to his sentence because he entered Nepal illegally. And all of his properties were seized. So hopefully all the things that would help him bribe the prison guards. <laughs> unless he has some gems. Yeah, unless he has some gems. His new Backed wife, up. Nahida, and 
mother-in-law said that the conviction was wrong. So he even manipulated her mother. They said the that disrespect. the conviction was wrong. I know, right? The disrespect. And they said that Charles hadn't received fair treatment. Oh, I don't believe that. Oh, that's so off. sad. <laughs> because he quite literally continues to receive fair treatment because he's such a manipulator exactly. that he charms these motherfuckers into liking him. And then in 2014, he was also convicted for the murder of Laurent, which is like, come on, come on. Can you do you now see that he is definitely a serial killer? <sighs> for real. All in all, he's told so many different stories to so many different people, most of which are lies. Okay. Like he is a pathological liar. He is a manipulator. Fuck this dude. Like saying some of these lies were like saying the victims were involved in drug deals in a cartel he was part of. No. What? No. But almost all of these lies made it seem like he was the victim, a.k.a. what a manipulator does. If it was a cartel, darling, you were the cartel. Yes. You exactly. were the leader. So what the fuck is this excuse? And I'm sure he did see himself as a victim, but he he really wasn't. And he, like, very obviously wasn't. And the people he killed weren't doing anything to him. He literally drugged people. Like, what? And a lot of people think that in reality, he's likely a psychopath who suffers from antisocial personality disorder, which I could definitely see because he has not shown any guilt. Like, he literally thinks that he's the victim. Like, in all seriousness, he thinks that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even know, like, if that's really serious. Like, I just think he's continuing to manipulate. Ugh, he's the like, worst. The worst. Yeah. In 2018, he legitimately almost died and had several hard surgeries, but he is... Oh. <laughs> heart? Heart. Heart. And had several heart surgeries, but he is currently still in prison in Nepal at 77 years old, but he ain't doing so hot. He is not doing well, which like, fingers crossed, folks. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of films and stories about him, um, but most recently a BBC series called The Serpent was made, and you can watch it on Netflix for even more details regarding this case, but it looks good. Watch it with a but... grain of salt. If you watch any interviews, watch them with a grain of salt because you never know what is real and what's not coming out of his mouth. I mean, ugh. I've heard about um this documentary um only because recently the guy who played Charles was on Ellen, and I guess um, he got an opportunity to meet Charles, and he was just like, mm, no, no, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> I'd, I'd really rather not. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyways, uh, like we said in the beginning, join our Facebook group. It's on and popping, and it's fun. You can find it by just searching True Crime International and on Facebook in the search bar. Um, follow our Instagram for fun. Uh, it's at True Crime INTL. We post photos from all of our cases. Um, over the summer, we'll probably be posting a lot of memes to, you know, chit chat. Um, and if you are going to miss us a lot in the summer and you would like to subscribe to our Patreon, we would love you so much for it. There's just one level. You get three episodes every month. Um, you get a layover, a full length, and a red eye episode. Um, it's $5 a month. Come join us there. We're going to have lots of fun this summer. 
Um, and if you are loving our podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts and you would like to give us a five-star review, that would be wonderful. Um, it's a very easy and free way to support us and let us know that you're loving the show. Um, and it helps boost our show so that other people can find us too. Um, other than that, Isabella? We hope you learned something new today and we hope you enjoyed your stay here at True Crime International. Bye. Bye. Bye.